0: Welcome to another edition of Locked On Pelicans, the daily podcast covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Pelicans, and NBA as a whole, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, Your Team Every Day, available on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, literally wherever you get your podcast from. I'm your host, Pelicans Insider, credential member of the media and editor over at LockedonPelicans.com, Jake Madison. At NOLA Jake on Twitter here with you all on this Tuesday, day after the Pelicans get a very important victory over the Memphis Grizzlies 126 116. A blowout for the most part till the very end when this team made us a little bit nervous, but they pulled it out. We'll look at this one by the numbers, then go a little bit more in depth in this game in the second segment because. There's a lot to take away in a very positive manner. And then finally, in the third segment, we will talk about Zion Williamson, how he will be integrated back into this offense, what they plan on, you how they plan on using him based on what we saw in preseason and what he's been doing at practice. And then we'll, of course, cover his return on the Wednesday show in full. So let's dive into it all in today's edition of Locked on Pelicans. All right, in the afternoon game, the Pelicans took on the Memphis Grizzlies MLK Day game. Very cool that one is in Memphis. As I said on yesterday's show, New Orleans used to have one of these two, which I think would also be really nice to have. But certainly, without a doubt, Memphis should be hosting one of these games. And they are. And it's cool that New Orleans has played in this one the past couple of years in Memphis since they stopped hosting their own game at like noon on this Monday. So it was a 126-116 victory, a game that the Pelicans led by as many as 25 in. Before, things kind of flipped and the Grizzlies stormed back in the fourth quarter, winning that one 39-28, to but New Orleans had built up a lead. They recovered and withstood the run from the Memphis Grizzlies. J.J. Redick hit a big dagger of a three to put them up six, and at that point, that was basically all she wrote, and the Pelicans get a victory on the road against the current eighth-seeded Memphis Grizzlies. First of four games, these two teams will play, with four more coming against the San Antonio Spurs, too. That a big deal because those are two of the teams ahead of you in the standing, so going up against them and getting victories against them is really important. They had those games have a little bit more extra to them. This one by the numbers on the night, it was a different starting lineup. Out was Derek Favors along with Jaleel Okafor. Okafor had been out, same with Kenrich Williams, too. But back came Drew Holiday, and he was a star in this one. He exploded for 36 points on the night, it was seven of ten from three chipped in six rebounds and two steals as well he was 12 of 18 from the field overall basically the rest did this dude some good his shot was falling the shot was just falling for basically every pelican they were undersized in this one and we'll discuss that more in the next segment when we go into some of the strategy and the coaching decisions in this game because i think they were pretty interesting but three-point shooting hot All around for New Orleans, none better than Drew Holiday. Seven made threes is a career high for him, 36 points on the night, leading the team. Also playing excellent defense against assumed rookie of the year, John Morant. John Morant went 5 of 14 from the field, just 16 points on the night. That's pretty good to hold that dude to those kind of numbers. Brandon Ingram, up there, 25 points on the night, 6 assists, 4 rebounds, 6 of 14 from the field, 2 of 6 from deep. But you know what? He went 11 of 12 from the free throw line after some struggles recently. Missed his first one, then made all next 11 of them. Nice to see that from him. The 6 assists, again, surprising, but not really over the past couple of games because he's been running a lot of point forward, point guard role in the in the half-court offense with New Orleans splitting a lot of that with Lonzo Ball. Jackson Hayes getting the start in this one with the team being a little bit thin at center without Okafor and Derek Favors. Five points, six rebounds, just two of two. This was not the easiest matchup for him, and you can start to see him hitting maybe a bit of a rookie wall and struggling, but there was a guy off the bench who played some center minutes for New Orleans that really opened things up. We'll touch on him coming up here. J.J. Redick, three of nine from the field, two of seven from deep, including one really big three that just sealed the game. 10 points on the night. He was also 2 of 2 from the line, drawing a very smart shooting foul at one point on a possession that looked like it was just busted for New Orleans. Lonzo Ball, not the best shooting night. 2 of 9 from the field, but two made threes out of those. 8 points, 9 rebounds, 5 assists. Also did some very good defense against John Morant as well. Off the bench, you had Josh Hart. 10 points, 5 rebounds. Dude just acts like he's 6'10". He seems so much bigger than he actually is with some of the rebounds he goes and gets. And just having a dude like that in limited minutes, under 20 in this game, can make some really big plays for you. Each one more, nine points on the night. Four of 10, one of two from uh, deep. Two rebounds, two assists. Frank Jackson, uh, 18 minutes on the night. Two of five from the field, two of three from deep, six points also chipped in, two rebounds, and then Nikhil Alexander Walker getting about 13 minutes of run. Bit of a rough night for him. Two points on the night, one of four, 0 for two from deep, but also chipped in five assists. So keeps running that offense and driving and attacking and creating for others that way. The one name off the bench I did not mention because he was big in this game and I wanted to save him for last, maybe the best surprise we had Niccolo Melli, six of 11 from the field he got some minutes at center playing 27 minutes in this game 15 points Five rebounds, three of eight from deep, at one point hitting three straight triples. And then the Pelicans countered to put him in at the start of the second half. He made life very difficult for Jonas Valanciunas, who had 14 points on the night. Um, But a lot of those Memphis Grizzlies starters really, really struggled. Valanciunas, 14 points. Dylan Brooks, 31 on the night. He was a bright spot. Jaron Jackson, Jr., 19. And then you had um, DeAnthony Melton with 10 Off the bench. It's enough to get it done. And New Orleans shot well in this one. They shot 48% from the field overall. They shot 44% from three, making 21 of them. That is a team record. That's a good number to have because they could not do much work inside at all. They had 36 points in the paint compared to 70 for Memphis, so they needed this shot to fall. We'll touch on what that means. It's both good and bad, and then some of the strategy things that I saw in this one coming up here, though, in the next segment. But before we get to that, today's edition of Locked on Pelicans brought to you by Calm. We talk a lot about physical fitness, but there's another side to the game that's just as important, and I'm talking about mental fitness, taking care of your mind. Calm is the number one app for sleep and meditation and has teamed up with LeBron James to help you train your mind. LeBron and Calm know that your mind is like any other muscle in your body and Calm can help you train your brain so you sleep better, have less stress, and perform at your best. All three of those, pretty good things you want to have. For LeBron James, sleep is an important part of his mental fitness routine. He says, quote, getting good sleep and finding time to rest is one of the most valuable things I can do for my body and mind, end quote. And if you head to calm.com slash locked on NBA, you'll get 40% off a calm premium membership. With calm, you have access to the nature scene le- scenes LeBron loves like rain on leaves and so much more like sleep stories and meditations. So for a limited time, our listeners can join lebron and using calm with a 40 percent discount to an annual membership at calm.com locked on nba unlock content to help you focus ease stress and sleep better get started at calm.com locked on nba that's calm.com locked on nba so the 126-116 win over the Memphis Grizzlies for your New Orleans Pelicans was interesting from a number of different angles. One is the strategy that they employed to build up that 25-point lead, and this team going into the game was undersized. You have Jackson Hayes at center. I don't know if he's necessarily going to be able to bang bodies with a guy like Jonas uh, Jaron Jackson Jr., even Jay Crowder, and some of the other bigs that they have, and they made his life kind of difficult at times. He did not play particularly well in this though certainly he held his own as much as he could for a rookie and I think it was fine but all of a sudden Alvin Gentry seemed to realize that matching up and trying to go big against this team wasn't the way to go without Derek Favors early on you saw the Pelicans struggling on the boards struggling to really get anything going by just trying to match up with guys like Jackson Hayes against far superior players for now Jackson Hayes will be better in the future And then he made the decision to really go small and to run a bunch of guards out there and to try and just use that athleticism and quickness, which the Memphis Bigs didn't really have, as a way to kind of uh, turn the game around. And it worked. By getting out and running, even though Memphis likes to run, they just weren't able to keep up with the speed of New Orleans of some of these guards and other players that they have. And that's kind of the way that they really got back into this. New Orleans had 23 points in the fast break. Now, Memphis had 29 because they also want to run, and this at times was just a shootout. But certainly, New Orleans going small really kind of dictated the style of game that was being played and stopped playing into the strength of the Memphis Grizzlies. And when the Grizzlies didn't counter the Pelicans going small, that's where they really, really got burned. They left Valanciunas out there way too long and putting Nicolò Melli out there who pulls him out of the paint when he wasn't comfortable defending on the perimeter leaving Melli wide open for three. You saw Melli hit three threes in a row. That's on fire in NBA Jam here. That's a really good move to do and if the opponent doesn't counter... Well, then they just kept falling behind, and all of a sudden, it was late in the second quarter. We're getting close to halftime, and New Orleans was up 19. And at one point, I'm like, wait, how did that happen? And then you just realize, yeah, incrementally, they just kept adding on every couple of minutes. And over time, that really worked because Memphis didn't make that same kind of counter and wanted to try going big, and they just kept getting burnt on the defensive side of the ball. They weren't good there. Now, New Orleans did play some defense in this one. The final score, 116 is a lot, and at times it looked like this was going to kit that over, and it did, which was the 240. But right at the end, we thought that maybe would happen in like the third quarter at one point. They did a very good job on defense. They try and fight through screens and go over screens, as I've mentioned here on the podcast in the pick and roll. But when they ran a Jaron Jackson Jr. and John Morant pick and roll, the Pelicans switched which Memphis maybe wasn't prepared for, and it really seemed to throw off John Morant. They kind of did a drop big, but also switching where he just kind of sagged off and was almost daring John Morant to try and beat him with his jumper. He's not quite there where he's a huge threat with that and he's going to burn you every single night. He's a good shooter, but he still wants to drive and attack and play that springy game of his, and it didn't really work in this one. So the defensive strategy, I think, for the Pelicans really, really paid off. Now, it also helps when you're bombing away and hitting threes at a rate like we've never seen from this team. 36 points in the paint to 70 for Memphis. That's a little scary because if New Orleans does go through a cold streak shooting the ball, they're going to lose this game. And that's why when Memphis started to make a run late in the fourth, I wasn't necessarily surprised. That's basically where the shooting starts to equal out and flip. And New Orleans, it's it's just tough to keep shooting as well as you do all game. New Orleans shot uh, 46% in the fourth quarter and Memphis shot about 54%. That's enough to kind of swing that game. And with them being more aggressive and shooting better, they were going to the line, too. And New Orleans was content to bomb away from three. They only went uh, and took five free throws in the fourth quarter, whereas Memphis took 12. There's a seven-point difference right there. And that made a big deal in this one that Memphis kept attacking, whereas New Orleans didn't and was content to fire away. And when those shots don't go in, you do start to fade. The good thing here, which is what we didn't see against the Clippers on Saturday, is they were able to recover. Whenever Memphis started to go on a run or the game just kind of devolved into a mess of basketball, Alvin Gentry called a timeout and it was 100% the right call every time to settle his team down. It worked really well. He coached well in this one, including starting Melly after halftime. To mess with Valentinus even more and let New Orleans build their lead and continue to do exactly what they were doing. This was a well coached game from Alvin Gentry and the rest of the staff, knowing to switch instead of have these guys fight through screens and to then just, you know, make the right moves with the personnel and take the right timeouts. Overall, a very good game for New Orleans. This one was going to be closer. And easily, if they had a bad shooting night, you would have had to adjust on the fly in the middle of the game again. Luckily, the shooting was working and you didn't need to do it. But I wouldn't say this was like a complete blowout of the opponent. Slightly worse shooting night, I don't necessarily know if New Orleans wins this. But it shows you they have the shooters and I've said all year long, I believe in the three-point shooting from this team, and they showed you why I believe it in the game yesterday, and was enough to get them a win over a division opponent that's ahead of you in the standings that you absolutely need to beat four out of four times if you can. So overall, great game for New Orleans to weather that run at the end. Have J.J. Redick, the veteran, hit a very, very key and big shot that just put the game out of reach. The absolute dagger against the Memphis Grizzlies. New Orleans, on the night now, moved to 17 and 27. Memphis falls to twenty. and 23 and hey playoffs still alive and kicking for the pelicans who welcome zion williamson back in the next game you won't ever have to at least for now maybe not ever but for the foreseeable future you don't need to worry about watching pelicans basketball without zion we're going to talk about that how he's going to be used on offense what they do with him on offense coming up in just a moment But before we get to that, if you've been a listener of this podcast, I'm sure you've heard all the great advertisers working with Locked On to reach sports fans. But you may not know that Locked On Pelicans is a great way for your local business to reach passionate Pelicans fans just like you. Unlike any other podcast, Locked On gives your local company the unique ability to reach local podcast listeners, not just any podcast listeners. And with Zion coming back, there is no better time. If your company wants to connect with Pelicans, Pelicans fans, and is a, which is a predominantly male audience that is well-educated with disposable income, then let's put your company right here on this Locked On Pelicans podcast. Local fans love to support local businesses. Text the word ADVERTISING to 33777 or visit LockedOnPodcast.com slash advertising to let us know who you are. We'll get our team to help you achieve your Locked On advertising success. Once again, text the word ADVERTISING to 33777 or visit LockedOnPodcast.com slash advertising. So I watched the TNT broadcast of the game yesterday against the Grizzlies. Normally I try and tune into Fox Sports and hear Joel Myers, but I was curious to see what the national discussion around the Pelicans was and it was over, overall for their broadcast that was actually pretty good. It's not normally that good. So I was happy to hear that just first and foremost if you're going to, you know, spend a couple hours watching something. But they talked a lot about Zion Williamson and his fit with the team. And it kind of focused around the three-point shooting that the Pelicans have that they're going to put out there on the court around him. Then I saw Channing Frye, former NBA player, at, you know, someone tweeted at him being like, "Who's going to who's going to start with Zion?" and he goes, "Pick any four shooters." That's It's tough to discuss because, yeah, look, put four shooters around Zion and give him space and let him cook, and it sounds like it's going to work. That's not what's going to happen, though, and I actually don't even think that's the way that he's going to have the most success, particularly if you watch the Pelicans use him in those five preseason games and the way they kept him in motion the whole time trying to be a cutter and receive the ball and score that way. He didn't have very many isolations where, cool, let's put four guys on the perimeter that you can't leave because they're all good shooters and leave a one-on-one matchup with Zion Williamson down low and let him drive from the perimeter and score or try and post you up and score. One, he's not going to post up a ton of dudes. And he can drive from the perimeter, but that's still not the best way to use him. It'll result in a turnover. I don't know if he's capable of making those outlet passes just yet. I'd be willing to bet teams will double him and leave the worst three-point shooter open if you were to just kind of run four out guys around him. So that's... as I lose my voice here, is not how it's gonna go. The Pelicans are gonna use their normal starting lineup. I do think it will be JJ Redick on the bench, though that remains to be seen when Zion's eventually starting and he's likely coming off the bench for this first game. Um, because they don't really know how they're going to be able to use him just yet and what his minutes are going to be or anything like that until they get him out there. But I think eventually it's going to be Lonzo Ball, Drew Holiday, Brandon Ingram, Zion Williamson, and Derek Favors. That seems to be the starting lineup they were rolling with in preseason and the one I think they'll use here. Now, it might mean that Lonzo comes out in favor of Redick right away, or maybe you take Zion out and put Redick back in uh, and can kind of run three guards around Ingram and Favors, and it gives you a lot of flexibility. But if you look at how Zion played in preseason, most of his shots were assisted. You're not going to just let this dude isolate and go out and just kind of do his own thing with four guys around him, four shooters around him. In fact, he was assisted on 77.1%, so let's round down and call it four out of sorry, three out of four shots he's assisted on. So it's not like you're playing four-out basketball around him whatsoever. This is a dude who needs to get the ball kind of while he's moving on the run and he's unstoppable there when he has some momentum. And you kind of see it, particularly with the guys who have assisted to him in preseason. He had 11 assists from Lonzo Ball, 5 from Nikhil Alexander-Walker, and 4 from Drew Holiday. They used him on a lot of shortcuts, short rolls in the pick and roll, different things like that, to get him the ball while he's already moving. If he's on the perimeter, he darts towards the basket when someone else drives and tries to get that pass when a defender rotates over and creates some space. Once he's moving, catches the ball with those big hands of his, yeah, he's unstoppable. Rudy Gobert couldn't even cover him during that time when he could just go right at him after he got the ball already with a head of steam. And that, I think, is how you're going to see him really score. That's how he scored most of his layups in preseason. So putting four shooters around him and letting him do his thing, no, that's not really going to work. That also gets the ball out of a guy like Brandon Ingram's hands, out of Drew Holiday's hands, out of Lonzo Ball's hands. You don't want that. You want those guys still running the offense, still doing their thing, and all three of them at this point now kind of sharing ball handling duties. And let Zion just be like the other dude out there on the court. Let him not be the focal point. He doesn't even need to be with how well this team is playing currently. He can just kind of fit in, find what works, and go out and do it, and also rebound the ball. We want that too, and play in transition. But he doesn't need to be, nor will he likely be, the focal point of this offense upon his return on Wednesday. We will get more data on it. We'll be able to see it firsthand how they plan on using him. But this is what they did in preseason. They're just going to scale that back some probably. They're not going to try and unleash him fully for these first couple of games or even maybe at any point during the regular season and hopefully postseason if the Pelicans get in. So look for him to do a lot of little short curls, short rolls, different things like that, cutting from the wing, cutting from the corner as they try and kind of get him in motion to get him the ball that way. That's how this is going to work. And guess what? That fits in perfectly what they're already doing on offense. That means he can just seamlessly get in there. So while there might be some sort of continuity disruption by easing him back in and getting him back in with this team playing well, it's not like he takes a starring role and needs the ball in his hands constantly to create. He works very well off ball. And I think that's one of the reasons why they're so excited to get him back out there and why he can be a net positive pretty much immediately for New Orleans. Now, We'll see how he does on defense and other things. But I'm excited for however he gets back on the court and gets used. I cannot wait. I'm sure you all can't wait either. And that just means we're going to have to talk about it more tomorrow for the Wednesday edition of Locked on NBA, which means we're done for this edition of Locked on NBA. Thank you all for listening. Don't forget, subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcast from. Leave a five-star review. All of that stuff really does help and make a big difference to keep it, for keeping the show free and five days a week for you all. And as always, I'm your host, Jake Madison, at Jake on Twitter, and I'll be back with you all tomorrow. Big day here in the Crescent City. Zion's return. I can't wait. I will see you all then.